0: listening to the Bearded Theologians Podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and check us out online at beardedtheologians.com. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians Podcast, hosted by Matt Franks
1: and Zach Bechtold. And today we have uh, one of our favorite guests returning with us, uh, Pastor Matt Miofsky. He's pastor at The Gathering in St. Louis. And we had um, Matt on, uh, I don't know, a few, few months ago to talk about his book, uh, Happiness, and um, or Happy. And uh, he's got a new book coming out called Fail, which I absolutely love because I feel like that's what we do on this podcast weekly. Um, so Matt, great to have you, man.
2: Yeah, it's good to be back with you guys. Thanks for having me on again.
1: Absolutely, we love it. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on in your life and with this new book, and uh, you know, we'll go from there.
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, my first book was "Happy: What It Is and How to Find It," and I really wrote that well for two reasons. To for for people who maybe wouldn't normally pick up a a book from a pastor or might never step foot into the church. And, you know, I wanted to pick a topic that I know is on uh, everyone's mind. So, I mean, everybody's kind of searching for what makes them happy. Uh, But it was kind of funny. I thought, like, what do I want to follow that up with? And a lot of people were surprised that I picked (laughs) sort of the opposite end of the spectrum, fail, what to do when things go wrong. But it's really the same kind of book. I mean, I wanted to pick something that we all wrestle with. And so this book is really like, how do we... um, how do we navigate disappointments, obstacles, uh, difficulties in our life? And because, at least for me, I mean, I've found that while I don't want to repeat those low moments in my life, I often learn more from my mistakes or from those difficult spots mm-hmm. than I do from any other period of life. And so I really wanted to kind of explore that and give people uh, really kind of a guide on how to navigate those seasons that we all go through.
1: No, I love that. You know, we, we talk, like I said, we talk about that a lot here because we feel like we do it on a on a weekly basis. But uh, we talk about it in the sense of if we don't if we're not failing at something, we're not trying something new. We're not, um, you know, we're not giving us ourselves a chance to, to branch out um, and failure is part of that. And it's it is it's how we how we learn what uh, what kind of response had. You know, you, you said you got some surprise, and well, why'd you go the other direction? You know, what kind of response and practice have you got from your congregation or, or the folks yeah. that you fleshed this out with?
2: Well, the idea really. can't, I, I first got the idea a few years ago. I was talking to an educator friend of mine. He's not a church guy, but he's a, a principal at a private school, and he was talking then about the educational principal uh, grit, which has since actually become fairly popular. But it's the idea that um, kids need to learn how to fail and so if you always give kids a test they can pass if you always encourage them and they they always uh, do well they're actually not learning their most important lesson so he said that at, at his school they were actually structuring classroom experiences designed for kids to fail and the real lesson was how would they react to failure and how would they get over it and and I just found that a fascinating conversation that you would actually want kids to fail so that they could learn how to get over it. And so I began sort of thinking about that in life. Not that I think God causes harm or tragedy in our lives, but of course we do believe in a, in a God that can take failures, whether they're of our own causing or whether they're uh, tragedies that happen to us, and can can actually teach us some of our best lessons through that. And so I actually preached a sermon series in my church, and it was based on the uh, biblical character of Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah in the Old Testament, you know, he's known as the weeping prophet. (laughs) I mean, this guy had a, a lot of things go wrong in his ministry. Some which he was responsible for, most of it just due to circumstances of his life. But nonetheless, uh, you know, we he learned a tremendous amount, and and ultimately had hope even in the most uh, dire circumstances. So that series just really struck a chord. People really resonated with uh, this idea, and I think there's something about a pastor or a church just acknowledging that life is messy and difficult and full of things that uh, don't always make sense, and just recognizing that and not pretending like everything's going to go great just because you're a person of faith, I think was really refreshing. So that was a few years ago, but it, but it really was the genesis of this particular book.
0: And I, I think that's interesting that, um, it's amazing that how often we forget to talk about failure and that, um, all we ever want to talk about is where we succeed. And, you know, um, you know, we go to those pastor conferences and everybody puts on their best face and nobody really says, Hey, here's where I screwed up. But because I screwed up on this, it allowed me to learn this or, you know, um, and I think far too often we, we put together our polished stuff and we don't talk about the grid of, you know, everyday ministry. I mean, I, my goal is at least to fail once every day. um <laughs> it's that way i feel better about myself that i know i'm not perfect. um and i joke about the bulletin cuz it always i mean every week there's some mistake in it and it's like hey that just proves we're not perfect. um and and so i kind of like the the no, i'm i'm real big on the notion of like celebrating our failure when it happens and saying hey it happened and here's what we learned from it and move on. uh because i felt like my church experience was you know everything's got perfect. there's no fa- there's no room for failure. And, you know, in life, um, that's not the case. I mean, and, and, you know, I always use this kind of this baseball metaphor, but we celebrate when a guy goes one for three. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, he fails those other two times or doesn't get on base those other two times. And that's a good thing. And, you know, what if we started looking at our failures in church and our churches and in our lives and seeing where there's growth opportunities. Um, I just kind of like the whole concept and the book actually sounds like a really great book. I'm looking forward to and getting my hands on that and, uh, seeing, uh, where that leads us.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's especially important for pastors, not just pastors, anybody in leadership position, I think failure is hard. It's so tied to our identity. What we do is so tied to our identity. I think for anyone who really feels called to their job or their vocation and, and pastors in particular, I think really wrestle with this. Um, I, you know, there's a quote that's always stuck with me that when you succeed, it goes to your head. When you fail, it goes to your heart. <laughs> Meaning that I mean, when you succeed, you think more highly of yourself than you ought to really. Um, and in ministry, when you fail, it goes right to your heart. You begin to think of yourself as a failure. And and that's dangerous when all of a sudden failure has uh, the capacity to, to, to really go right to our understanding of who we are. And I think it's like that for a lot of people that, uh, this isn't just a practical guide on how to get through difficult times, but it, but it's also has a lot to say. I think about our identity as ultimately people created by God and we don't need to, uh, be, become anything other than, than who we are. Success doesn't lead us closer to God necessarily and, and failure doesn't always take us further away. And so I I do think it has a a unique thing to say to pastors. We're in a climate right now, as you said, where we don't like to talk about our failures. And yet, let's be honest, a lot of church leadership right now is happening in, in environments that are largely failing. And our job is to sort of figure out a new way forward for the church, a new way forward for our church, a new way forward for a worship service or a Sunday school class or and, and that's hard work. And it usually means that, uh, you know, we have to fail many times over before we hit on something that begins to work. So even in our practical day-to-day ministry, I mean, I I'd laugh, I tell people all the time, you know, people look at the gathering success stories, but they don't look at the number of things I've tried where, you know, one person shows up or two people show up which by the way is always worse than nobody Nobody showing up at least means you get to go home <laughs> yeah. showing up means you got to go through it awkwardly for an hour whatever it is you're doing and so i mean i've had all sorts of experiences like that i've I, in, in fact i probably had more of them i just tend to fail fast and keep going so
1: well, and I, and I think that's the important thing that that we remember, whether it's in the church setting or or whatever our setting is, is that um, when we fail, we need to fail fast, um, and not let that sink into your heart like that and just resonate and bring you down. Uh, instead, you know, pick up, see where the grace is, see where we learn, and, and move forward, and not dwell in what that failure is.
2: Yeah, and I, th- I I think one of the Things we fall into a lot of times as pastors is we don't like admitting failure. We don't like saying, "Okay, this thing just isn't going to work; it's dead." Right. And, and sometimes we spiritualize these things, like, "Well, if I, you know, it may be small, but you know, God's doing great things." Or, you know, "Don't give up; you know, a miracle might happen." There's still this idea that we equate some ministry strategy, even the, the existence of a particular church that somehow if we admit that it's done, either it's life cycle is over or it didn't work or it's no longer working, that somehow we're giving up on God or we're giving up on hope or we're giving up on uh, a confidence that that faith is effective. And actually, I think the opposite is true, that we can say, hey, look, this isn't working anymore, this doesn't work, or this is over, it's done. And we believe in a God of death and resurrection. And so uh, sometimes the beginning of hope comes actually when you're able to admit this thing's no longer working. And it's time to just let it, just admit that it's over so that I can begin something new. We need that in churches right now. There are a lot of churches that are holding on to things and, and they think that what it means to be faithful is never giving up. And sometimes what it means to be faithful is allowing something to end with the strong belief that we have a God of resurrection, that something new then will begin. But you never get to that if you yeah. can't sort of deal with failure. And, and I think it holds us back from the best things that God wants to do because we're just so insistent that, uh, that we got to keep trying this thing that we're doing.
1: Well, and yeah, wouldn't that, that's something that I started, um, uh, this new church out on, um, you know, my second sermon in, it's like, look, we've got to grieve some things, yeah. you know, it's okay to grieve, it's okay to acknowledge the things that, that we've lost and that we're going to lose, but it's because we believe in this, uh we believe in the resurrection that we find, that's where we find hope, mm-hmm. um, and so, you know, it, not, the churches that I serve aren't currently grieving a lot other than transition, but it's this idea of there's a lot in your life in general that maybe you haven't Maybe you haven't let go. Maybe you haven't grieved. And yeah. and you we, we need to do that. Here's your permission to do that so we can move forward.
0: And okay. and would you say that maybe part of the problem that we have is that, um, one, we don't emphasize failure enough. And I think of like, you know, the leagues and stuff where kids, they get a trophy, even if they went, Oh, and you know, 25 um, or, you know, um, you know, we think about death and and we've probably all three been in the situation where we've sat with a family that has grieved and, and, you know, they can't let go of that grief. They just refuse to let go of the grief. And I think the same thing when failure is, is that we do have this sense of heart, you know, it just, we don't want to let go of it. And yet, instead of moving on and moving forward, we just are held on by that grief so much that it, it like, kills us and you think of the church and and i and i've been in a lot of churches that that's been the situation that they know that the ministry is dead and that there's that but they don't want to let go of it because they're so attached to it there's been blood sweat and tears in this thing and to let go of it means you know it's a new thing in a new direction and that's always scary for people um and so just I think maybe as pastors, if we can help people see the resurrection and how new life can come out of failure, wherever that direction may be, um, and, and be, you know, real biblical about that, you know, um, I think there's some hope that we can provide in the midst of all this craziness that we're in right now.
2: Well, I I mean, I think you're, you're right. There's, um, I get asked this all the time. I'll go and talk to churches who want new life breathed into their church, you know, whether it's uh, you know, worships in decline for years and years, and they want to figure out how they can grow again, or how can we attract young people, or, or how can we uh, recover a sense of vitality. But they don't phrase it this way, but what they usually want to know is, how can we change just enough things so that we can reach new people and grow while at the same time not angering, upsetting uh, the people that are here or really losing anything that we have. So what's the sweet spot? Of enough change that people will come, but not so much change that people here get upset or have to grieve things. And I always tell them, I mean, that's what everyone wants to know. And, we, and I tell them, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I'm, your, I'm not your speaker. If what you want is, how, how can we not upset the people who are here and at the same time change enough to grow? That's why, by the way, uh, for a period in our history, the answer to everything was start a new worship service. Now, I'm not saying don't ever start a new worship service, but most of the time, starting a new worship service didn't work because we didn't want to anger this group. So we said, you all keep worshiping over here, and I'm going to try to start something over here. And so we were trying to have have it both ways. And usually churches didn't have the resources or the people or the man or woman power to, to pull that off. So, I think even in churches, the churches that actually um, are finding new life, the churches that are, that are actually turning around or or revitalizing, they really are those churches that are able to say, look, we have got to be willing to lose some things, to just let some things die that we love, by the way. We've got to let go of that stuff with the belief that when we do, something new will emerge. And I think the same thing is true of our lives. I mean, you don't have to be a church leader to see that, that. That sometimes in our lives, we want to know, you know, how can I change just enough that new things will happen for me without risking much or letting go of things that feel very comforting to me? And it's oftentimes when we let go of things that are comforting or we're forced to let go of those things that we find new lives. So to give a, like a, a real brief example – you guys know in our churches there's all sorts of people who don't like their jobs i know people who hate their jobs they've hated it for a decade and when i say well why don't you make a change well they they just can't let go of the certainty of that paycheck or the stability that it offers in order to see what might come next but then some something comes along and this happens to a few people where they get fired you know and i'm not wishing that on anybody i mean none of us want to get fired and yet Oftentimes, people use that low point and they're forced to reinvent life. All of a sudden, new things start to emerge in the midst of that obstacle or that setback. And that's really an example of of what the what I think the book is trying to show us is I, I don't want anyone to get fired. i don't I don't hope that on anybody. I don't think God causes evil all the time. but but sometimes when things like that happen, um, we can look at it as total disaster, or we can look at it as like a fertile ground for something new uh, to crop up. And, and what, the, of course, the good news of of the scriptures teach us is that God can always use those moments. Um, even something as devastating as the death of a loved one can be a fertile ground for something new to 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 spring up. And I've seen that over and over again in my ministry, as I'm sure you all have. So uh, setbacks, obstacles, failures. Uh, don't mean the end of our story.
1: No, I love that, and gosh, you're so right, and I, I can't, I'm like, man, I can't wait to get my hands on this, and, and begin to chew on it a little bit, and, and begin to present it uh, w- with the folks that I serve, because it is important, and and I think people just need, I don't know, as, as pastors, or as leaders, or whatever, whatever our arena is, if if permission is what people need, like you say, I don't want people to get fired. I don't want people to lose their job, but I also don't want to see people unhappy. Um, and and so how do I as a leader begin to help that, you know, begin to massage all of that?
2: And you know, one practical, you know, thought experiment I'll often do with people is I'll say, you know, look back and tell me if you had to pick one, two, three defining moments in your life where you know, just something really significant and positive changed for you. Tell me about that those moments. And it's amazing how many people will trace those back to, um, to moments that were really difficult for them, that when they were going through them felt uh, really hard. You know, so oftentimes people will say, "Well, it was when I was fired from that job, you know, 15 years ago, but it was in the midst of that that I found this, or it's when I went through that divorce that was awful at the time." And again, but after that, I reinvented. You know, I found that it forced me to think about it was when I hit rock bottom as a as an alcoholic, and you know, my my family had to confront me, and I. But right after that you know uh something new sprung up in my life so it's amazing how how often our defining moments come right on the heels of something that we would never want or wish and and yet that's so often the way life works so yeah. And so, and so it, it, that's really why I wrote it. I think it'll apply to pastors, but it, it comes as a book and a leader's guide so that churches can use it either as a sermon series or, or even in small groups or Sunday school classes. And my hope, of course, is it just helps people process, um, you know, setbacks, disappointments in life, because we certainly know those are going to happen.
0: Yeah. As you were talking about uh, using it as a sermon series, I used um, your happy book in my last appointment. And the response from it was really great. People really loved the book. Like I, I couldn't keep the book on my shelf, which is a great, it was a great thing. I mean, it's a great thing for you, but, um, I really appreciated, um, some of the insights that you had with that book and it made it really um, easy for us to use in our worship experience. And, um, as you were talking about failure, I was saying, and, and this book came out like, man, this is going to be a great book to kick the year off with. <laughs> and just, you know, and, and, and just say, Hey, you know, um, you know, this would be a kind of a good topic to start the year off with. It's a different way of thinking and um, moving forward. Um, and yeah, looking- it's actually
2: when when we used it, Matt, at the gathering, when I first preached the series several years ago, it was to kick, it was right after the new year. <clears throat> and a lot of people thought it was a counterintuitive, like, hey, let's talk about something really hopeful. <laughs> it is actually hopeful. That's the cool thing about yeah. it is, you know, it's titled Fail, What to Do When Things Go Wrong. But the gist of it really is hope. That uh, on the cusp of a new year, the thing that holds us back the most is not letting go of what happened last year, <laughs> not letting go of what we need to let like, go of oh, so something new can emerge. So, so ultimately, the gist of it is hope, even though it's, it's hope via a difficult path. Right.
1: Well, you know, it's funny that you that you bring that at the beginning of the year when, when most you know, when so many people do the New Year's resolutions and six weeks later they've already failed. And you know, what a what a great way to begin the year with that of look, hey, we've got these things. <laughs> uh, and let's talk about it and find hope in it.
2: <laughs> yeah, I joke like, with my congregation. The the reason a lot of New Year's resolutions fail is because we try to add something without subtracting something else. And so <laughs> we just keep adding things to our life. And and so again, it's sort of this idea that, let's take care of some subtraction so that we can do some addition.
1: It's always my encouragement for Lent, uh, for that season as <laughs> Right? well. Hey, yeah. you guys add something on, please take something off your plate. Right. <laughs>
0: otherwise, how, Zach, how did that work when you did your napping? <laughs> oh,
1: <that's> fantastic. <laughs> so I, I gave up, uh, or I added on napping a couple of years ago for Lent, and it was one of the best spiritual practices I've, I've done, because uh, it was super intentional about just not doing anything. <laughs> when did you nap, Zach? Like in
2: the middle of the day in your office?
1: Yeah, I, would, I had a chair in my office that uh, sat in the window, so it was nice and warm, and I'd, I'd conk out for about 30 minutes. It's great.
0: Well, Matt, um, we look forward to the book coming out, um, September 5th. Um, this podcast will come out, I think September 1st around there. Um, and so, um, we'll have a link, uh, to, so people can uh, pick up the book uh, on our website and, uh, through, um, all of our things. And, uh, we appreciate your time, Matt. And, uh, you know, you're always welcome to come back and, um, you know, when the next book comes out, uh, let us know, we'll be glad to have you back on. Uh, but, um, we enjoy, um, all that you do for the kingdom and we thank you for your time. Um, and so, you know, just go on our website. We've got a lot of great content up, uh, you know, uh, Leah's, uh, post, um, on, uh, was it welcoming? I think that's what it was. was, Church bingo. Church
1: bingo. Uh, Um, Welcoming is your church.
0: (laughs) It's a pretty good read. I would encourage you to to look at that. Um, Our conversation with Del Fredrickson was awesome. Um, And it actually would parallel with this conversation because we talk a lot about resurrection in that one. So, you know, go back and listen to that one, but uh, we appreciate everybody's time. And so for the Bearded Theologians, I'm
1: Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtol and thanks for checking us out.
0: Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we hope that you share our content online uh, through Facebook and social media. And we hope that you check out our uh, Beardcast store at beardedtheologians.com and pick up some great Bearded Theologians gear. We hope you have a good day.